You're listening to episode 79 of the Room to Grow podcast. I'm Emily Goff, a holistic nutritionist and women's lifestyle coach living in Hamilton, Ontario in Canada. And here on the Room to Grow podcast, I bring you thoughts or guests in areas of nutrition, mindset, lifestyle, and entrepreneurship that will help you gain confidence so you can stress less and elevate yourself to create the life you love. We are not here to do things perfectly, but we are here to learn from each other and to grow with lots of self-love and compassion along the way. Let's get started. Hey, everyone. Uh, Emily and Christina here. Hey. Hi, guys. Hi. (laughs) So for anyone listening to this on Christina's Confidence Project, uh, I am Emily Goff of the Room to Grow podcast and Emily Goff Coaching. So you can find me at roomtogrowpodcast.com, search out the podcast, whatever you like. Um, and Christina. Well, where can we find you on Instagram? Oh, Instagram. Yes. We can't forget the gram. Uh, I'm over at Emily Goff coach. Goff is G O U G H like cough with a G. That's what I always tell people. It's just the easiest <laughs> way to go. We're going to be talking about pronunciation of different words in a minute too. So <laughs> I was gonna say you Canadians and your words. <laughs> And if, <laughs> and if you're listening to this over on Emily's podcast, I'm Christina Montalvo of the Confidence Project podcast. You can find me on Instagram at Christina underscore Montalvo. And the podcast again is called the Confidence Project. Awesome. And we will link both of those up in each separate set of show notes as well. <laughs> you got it. Yes, ma'am. So speaking of our pronunciation issues, we are, we are actually going to be getting onto a real topic about like coaching and being coachable and money and all these things. But uh, Christina and I have just been dying, laughing <laughs> for basically 24 hours about the fact that I posted in my Instagram stories that I was wearing a toque. Uh, <laughs> and it's a winter hat with the, you know, the kind with the pom-pom that you just pull on or something. And I called it a toque in my Instagram stories. And then I remember it. I'm like, wait, I'm pretty sure that Americans don't call them toques. I think they call them beanies. So then I, I voice messaged you, Christina, and I was like, I have to know. <laughs> is it toque or is it beanie? And your message back was hysterical. I was crying. You were like, I've never heard of a toque. You were laughing so hard you can barely talk. And then you finished the message with, but I'm sure shit could have called them toque now. <laughs> I really, if you're from the States, please send one of us a, a DM on Instagram. And like, for the love of God, if you're from the States, let me know if you've ever heard the term or the word toque before. Like, I can't wait to say like, I'm wearing my toque because I just think it's the t- it's so much, it's so much cuter of a name than beanie. Like I'm wearing my beanie, but like toque just sounds so cool. And for the record, when I saw toque written out, I thought it was 2K. <laughs> T-O-U-Q-U-E, which I determined, I, and I don't know this for sure, but I'm almost certain that toque is because we speak French and English in Canada. I mean, not all of us. I speak very little French. Uh, I don't remember much of it, but um, those are the two official languages. So Toque is a French word for like a type of hat, like a winter hat. And I think that it's one of the few French words that the rest of English speaking Canada has just adopted as the main word for that item. So we all just call it a toque. And, and then you guys don't have French as a main language down there. You all make fun of us for it. 
So you're like, Duke, what the fuck is that? <laughs> well, and what's, and what, how do you pronounce? I call it LaCroix. It is LaCroix. You people are butchering the word. <laughs> LaCroix. La Emily, if, if I walk into Costco and say, can I have a LaCroix? They are not going to know what I'm saying. And I'm going to, and I'll say, is this a 2K or a beanie? And they're going to be like, get out of my store. Like no one's going to know what I want. <laughs> Just throw an A on it on the on the other end, and they'll just like pat you on the head and send you on your way. <laughs> I'm wearing a toque. <laughs> exactly. That A is coming in handy already. <laughs> oh my god, I love it! And um, we almost recorded a completely separate episode today about social clicks, cliques, cliques. <laughs> And you spell it really nice too with the Q-U, don't you? The Q-U-E, yes. Because also like too, it has the Q-U-E on the end. Basically, I, apparently in Canada, we just want to say qu'est-ce que to everything. I feel like that's <laughs> what the deal is, which is for anyone who doesn't know, it's French for like, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> but it's, I will say that those words are like very, they're so much more beautiful written down, like click with a Q-U, click with Q-U-E. Clinique. I also do check, like, you know, you know, those old things called checks, like an actual paper check. Yeah. They, I know. Ever, yeah. They have, it's supposed to have a QUE, but so few people even write it like that anymore that everyone just calls it a check, like C-H-E-C-K. C-K. Yeah. That's what we call it. I write checks all the time. And I know that you spell it that way because when we text back and forth, that's how you spell it. I feel like I'm one of the few left who actually spells it that way because even up here in Canada, most people don't bother with the Q-U-E when it comes to that particular word anymore. Well, here's another question for you. How do you pronounce the last letter of the alphabet? It's Z. Okay. It is not Z. <laughs> <laughs> the best part is that last year when James and I went to Hawaii, I had to call to make a reservation for like this dinner thing that we were going to and they had to get my billing information. So she's asking me for my address and then she gets a zip code. Well, Canadians are so used to Americans asking for zip codes. We call it a postal code. So she asked for a zip code. So I gave it to her and ours is letters and numbers and it's six digits instead of your five. And she got really mad at me. She's like, no, I said zip code. So I gave it to her again. Like, why it gets a lot of Canadians? I didn't think it would be that hard. We went back and forth on this. Finally, I'm like, I am in Canada. I'm like, we use letters. <laughs> She's like, oh, that's right. I forgot. <laughs> oh my God, it's so funny. <laughs> I thought you were going to say that one of the letters was Z and you kept saying Z and she didn't know what the hell you meant. <laughs> Ironically, I do have a Z in my postal code. <laughs> So I'm, just, I'm surprised that she didn't pick up on that. <laughs> the best, the best is when we're talking and you're like, and I'm like, I say X, Y, Z and you say X, Y, Z. I didn't even realize that. That's so funny. So, in any case. Uh, so after this little uh, American U.S. spelling lesson. <laughs> so fun. It's so fun. I just, oh, so I love being able to say that one of my best friends lives in Canada. It just feels really cool. <laughs> so cute. Oh my gosh. You have to just come and actually visit. <laughs> yes. I can't wait to come to Canada. And I, not just for the spelling lesson, I promise. <laughs> I could use a, I could use a Canadian history lesson. We all know that to be Oh true. girl, I can give you a Canadian history lesson. I can also tell you when real Thanksgiving is and it's not in November. 
Yes, I know. I'll never <laughs> leave that down. For anyone who wasn't sure, I can't remember if we've said this on a previous episode or not, that yeah, Christina, when she found out uh, to her total disbelief that we had a different Thanksgiving, her first question was, wait, what about Christmas? <laughs> <laughs> okay, listen. If you didn't have a different Thanksgiving, it wouldn't have surprised me if you're like, well, my Jesus was born on a different day. Like <laughs> Canadian Jesus was born on a different day. <laughs> Which, if we're going to go down the religious road, that's not even Jesus' birthday. <laughs> I know. I can't. I can't even. It blows my mind. I have clients that come to the gym with very different like religious backgrounds and beliefs. And I'm like, oh, you're like their Christmas is January 7th. Like it's very different. And so for me, it's just very interesting. And so I was like, maybe your Christmas is different. In which case my mind is blown, but <laughs> your Thanksgiving is different and your Christmas is the same. So Christmas is the same. We're all good there. <laughs> got it. That I can handle. I love it. All right. So we have things to talk about. So <laughs> what are we talking about? What are we actually talking about today? Well, I feel like we are talking about uh, being coachable and how, I mean, money plays a role in that too. And that the exchange of money is what can help sort of, I feel, help people to be more coachable as well. So I know that we both have a lot of opinions on this. So where do you want to start with this? Can I just say that I admire your ability to go from cracking up to stone cold serious and like the drop of my head. Like that was a really good transition. That was really good. I think that's great. Um, so my podcast listeners know that I have a very interesting relationship with money as a whole. Um, it's actually one of my favorite topics to talk about because of this money relationship transformation, like evolution that I've been going through. Um, I could talk about it all day. I feel like I have a lot to share and I've learned a lot. And so the way that I talk about it most often is that I used to be afraid of money, uh, both giving and receiving it. Um, not like receiving money in your, in your birthday card, right? I like receiving it as a business owner, I think completely changed the game for me. And Emily, I think you can attest to that. Totally. <clears throat> yeah but then also giving it. And I don't mean like giving it to someone in need. That's never been hard for me to stick a couple dollars out the window or to tip well at a restaurant. That was never my issue. It was more like, oh, so you want to start a business. Oh, and it's going to cost money. Oh, and you're going to have to invest in yourself and there's money on the line. That was what was hardest for me to navigate. And so I think that's what really we're going to talk about today. Like you said, like, what does that have to do with coaching? What does that have to do with any and all of you listening? And what can you do about it? Like, what if money isn't money? What if it is an exchange of energy? And really, not to ruin the ending, but that's all it is. Money is just an exchange of energy. <laughs> ruin the ending. No, it, it <laughs> is true, though. It's totally true. And I think that there's a lot to be said for people giving away their services for either far too little or just giving it away for free because you and I had a coach that used to talk about putting skin in the game. And I have definitely learned that that is incredibly accurate. Mm -hmm. It changes your energy. It, it changes how seriously you take something. It changes how much time you're going to dedicate to it. 
um, what, what you're going to put into it, how much you are going to give of yourself to it, prioritize it, make a choice to put it above other things. All of these things play such a huge role in our success in whatever it is that you are trying to engage in, whether it's business coaching or nutrition coaching or some other program that you're really into or, or something that, that you're really invested in. If you're going to be invested in it, you probably, to get the most out of it, need to put some money down on the table to get it. And the way, <clears throat> and the way that it was kind of presented to us, and this is what ring, continues to ring true for me, and I don't know about you, Emily, but this idea that there needs to be just a little bit of pain associated with the payment because it gets you to pay attention. Yes, it gets you, to, it, it not only gets you to pay attention, but it also gets you to stretch yourself and to get used to being comfortable, being uncomfortable. Like putting down my credit card for thousands and thousands of dollars of business coaching over the last two, two years, two and a half years, has been at times incredibly painful. <laughs> like yeah. to the point where you and I have called each other like having panic attacks basically about how much money is on the line. And at the end of the day, it also builds trust in ourselves that we are going to maximize what we do with what we're paying for. Well, and you're also like telling the universe or you're shifting the energy within yourself that tells the universe, like I'm taking myself seriously now. And that can be whether, again, like you said, whether it's business coaching, nutrition coaching, um, if you, you know, <clears throat> the women that are coming to, to my gym for strength and conditioning coaching, I guess we could call that personal training or small group training, whatever you want to call it. When you're doing it for free, there is no, again, there's no pain of payment. There's not enough skin in the game and you haven't yet shifted that energy inside of you or show like, there's no energy flowing outward of like, man, I, I'm committed. I'm, I'm here to win. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, it, I don't think, I don't think I would have taken our, the business coaching program that we did together. I don't think I would have taken it taken it nearly as seriously if I wasn't like tripping over myself with what the amount every month that was being put on my credit card. Yeah. And you and I talked about that endlessly too, that we, there have been so many times where I would not have busted ass if it wasn't for the fact that there was money on the line and I accomplished things and got things done, got shit done and took action more and put myself in more uncomfortable situations over and over and over again because there was money on the line. And I, I mean that in a really positive way. Not that I was, you know, so uncomfortable that I felt like backed into a corner. It wasn't about that. It was about making that commitment to not only somebody else, like literally signing a contract saying, I am responsible for paying you X number of dollars. But at that same time, I was also making a mental contract with myself that if you were going to spend this amount of money on this program, then you damn well better put in the work to be able to actually make it happen and to, to get the most out of it. And that is the difference between doing something for fun and taking something seriously. You are, you are putting it out into the world that you are ready to go, that you're ready for something different and you're tired of, you're, you're tired of your own status quo you are ready to take the next step. And that is what makes somebody coachable. 
And I also want to give an example that just came to mind for those of you listening who maybe have never hired a coach or never invested in your business, or you're just kind of like, I don't understand what they're talking about. Like, how is money energy? Because I think even three, four years ago, if someone tried to tell me that money was an exchange of energy, I'd still be unrolling my eyes. Like now I'd be like, oh my God, like that's not true. And you're way too woo woo. (laughs) Yeah. Way too woo woo. But think about it this way, because this has always been true for me. If you go to the store, let's say you have 200 bucks and you, that you've been, that you worked really hard and you're like really pumped about these new pair of boots that cost exactly $200. And you're like, I don't, I really like the boots. I don't want to pay the money, but like, I'm whatever, I'm going to pay the money. You're going, and I've actually done this before. It wasn't actually $200, but I think it was close to it. I still have those boots and I'm like, I don't even use them like boots because I love them so much that I'm like not jumping in the puddle. I could jump in the puddle because I paid so much money for the damn boots that they're waterproof. But I'm like, I freaking love these things. Like I paid good money for them. On the same token, I have a pair of like $20, $25 boots and they're completely trashed because I, so it's, it's a little counterintuitive, but I hope that you can see the point of like the thing that I paid more for, the thing that I felt like I worked harder for, the thing that I was scared to buy. I'm like, I still cherish those boots and like the cheaper ones. I was like, Oh, whatever. I can ruin these. It doesn't matter. They were only 25 bucks, but that same energetic exchange happens when we invest in our business, in our coaching, in our fitness and in our nutrition, the money has to be there because something shifts inside of us and we handle the situation differently. Did did that make any sense? Yeah, it made total sense. And, and actually kind of playing onto that example, I'm going to be completely frank that one of the biggest issues that comes up, um, when running your own business or, you know, helping others with their business is how to price programs, Mm. how to price services, how, you know, what do, what do I charge people for this? That's one of the biggest issues that people get stuck on. And I've gotten stuck on that before too. And I used to have coaches who would say, you know, especially when it comes to things like your health or business coaching to, to build up a business or something like that. People don't actually want the cheapest option. We might look at, at a high end program and think like, damn, that's, that's way, that's an exorbitant amount of money. I would never spend that amount of money on myself. Whoever would is crazy. What are they thinking? But we also inherently recognize that you do pay for quality. And that's not to say that there aren't services out there that are overpriced and, and shitty. I'm not saying that that doesn't exist. But when we look at something that is super low, super low cost, extremely cheap, don't you kind of think to yourself, well, how good can it really be if it's that cheap? Right? Like, haven't we all had that thought? And that sort of plays into what Christina was saying about the boots that were super cheap. She doesn't take very good care of them. But Christina, the boots that you paid so much money for, you, you pay very close attention to how you treat them. You take excellent care of them. And I think that that really is a great example of how that applies to pricing with your programs and how much we are willing to put down on the table for a particular program to get a particular result. And I think to your point, it's a two-way street for both the coach and the client. If a client's putting down a big chunk of change, they're, they're going to be pulling their seat up to that desk and sitting up very straight 
to absorb as much information as they can so that they feel like they're getting their money's worth. At the same time, when you're giving your coach, and this is true for anything, but I'm probably way more likely to half-ass my way facilitating a program. If you're paying me 99 cents, let's say for a program, I'm probably like, oh, whatever. I don't need to be on time for this scheduled Skype call or Zoom call because it's only 99 cents. But if you're giving me a ton of money, let's say, which again is a relative term, I'm also going to show up because that exchange of energy is going to excite me so that I can educate you to make sure that you are also getting your money's worth. But we can both, client and coach, kind of poo-poo over something that's like a dollar. Yeah, I'm happy that you brought that up actually because that, I have to tell you, when I, <clears throat> when I book a, something like a one-on-one client, damn, like I am going to give them every single thing I have got to make sure that they have the absolute best experience possible because I am paying attention. I'm like, holy shit, these people are investing in themselves. They're investing in me. I better make sure that I show up for them as, as best as my abilities allow. And I better make sure that I go the extra mile and I bend over backwards to make sure that they are having the best possible coaching experience with me because they are putting their money on the table. They are letting me know how serious they are about mm -hmm. this commitment. They are ready to make change. So I better be there to make sure that I can help them have that change happen. Totally. Totally. And you and I have talked about this at length. Uh, <laughs> for those of you tuning in, Emily and I talk, Emily and I talk about our services and coaching all the time. I feel like it's <laughs> like just <daily>. like, <laughs> yes, it's just like the humming theme in the background. And I love it. I mean, I love it. Um, I had a huge mindset shift with what I was charging because for a long time, again, when I was afraid of money, I felt like if I ever increased my prices, I would be doing my clients a disservice. That is not true. By not charging enough money, I do my clients a disservice. And I, there's something to be said about having an in-person brick and mortar business because there's actually like a hard start and stop time. Like you have to get into your car and drive here and physically show up. Like you have to put your shoes on, your sports bra. It's a little bit different than maybe showing up for a Facebook live because I can't see you, right? So you could be in your bathtub, you can be in your bathrobe, it doesn't matter. If I'm not charging enough money to get these women to physically show up in my gym, aren't I doing them more of a disservice because they're not getting what they signed up for? And that's no one's fault other than there's not enough money on the line forcing them to pay attention. So they can step over and kind of forget about and brush under the rug this small, perhaps seemingly nominal monthly membership because it's not painful enough to force them to pay attention. So I had to shift from, hmm, if my prices are too low, if I'm not encouraging or kind of scaring or nudging people to show up like, hey, if you don't show up, you're kind of wasting a good chunk of change that's more of a disservice than raising the prices. Exactly. And I did a, a group coaching program last year that was sort of a like test, test run of it, which meant that typically you would charge less for, for a test run of a brand new program. Um, sometimes anyway, depending on, on what you want out of it and how much feedback you want out of it. So I charged a ridiculously low price for how much time, effort, and, and energy I was putting into not only the group, but individual attention for each person. And because it was so low priced, 
I, I ended up, I was getting frustrated because a lot of uh, the women weren't booking their calls with me. And they all had private, like multiple private calls with me, which is why I was so excited. I really wanted to connect with these women. And a lot of them just weren't booking the calls at all. And that was actually a really important lesson for me because let me tell you, my one-on-one clients that are paying a premium price to work with me, they show up for every single call. They show up on time. They are excited to be there. They're excited to learn. When I was charging practically pennies, I mean, literally like practically pennies for this program, people just weren't even booking their calls. They weren't even bothering. And that does both of us a disservice, like you said, Christina, because not only are they not getting the results, then I'm not able to help them. And then I actually end up feeling like a bit of a failure because I felt like I didn't get them the result that they signed up with me for. So it, there really has to be something that is getting both parties to the table and motivating you to get to that next level that you're signing up for. So Emily, I know that you, you know a lot about the, the behind the scenes stuff that happens at my gym and stuff like that, just because you and I are such good friends. But recently, and I'm, again, I'm sure you know this, there's been a lot of inner turmoil that I've been struggling with about the prices at my gym. And so recently I took this leap of faith, I guess, for backup, lack of a better term. And I essentially doubled the prices at my gym. And there was a lot of anxiety behind that because I felt that again, we, and we said this a little bit earlier that, you know, I had this fear around money and it was like, well, if I double my prices, am I doing my clients a disservice by potentially making it so that they cannot afford to come anymore? And to my surprise, it did the exact opposite. And this is what you and I both know to be true, right? So what happened was I doubled my prices and it weeded out the people that were never serious about being a member at my gym in the first place. And they were just there because it was a good like deal. Like it was such a discounted cheap price, but those people that never saw the true value in it were actually never really showing up. And so what happened was that again, this exchange of energy, like we talked about money is just an exchange of energy. Me raising my prices essentially said, you get a choice right now. Are you going to level up or are you not going to level up? And the entire environment and the entire culture within my gym, since I've doubled my prices, has completely transformed because the people that are showing up want to be there and they're paying a good chunk of change. So each month that their payment is, each month that their payment goes through, they're forced to level up and then they're forced to show up. And it is just, it's completely transformed my entire, my entire gym. So, and again, I know that you know about that, but that was probably one of the most pivotal points in my entire business. Well, it's such a shift of energy. And and you and I had talked about that extensively, obviously leading up to it. And, and even though we, you and I both knew that, that the result that you got was likely, it's still from, from an entrepreneur standpoint, it's scary as fuck when you're doing it because it feels like, like scarcity mindset starts to come into that too. And there's, there's all kinds of other issues and, you know, self-doubt and confidence issues that can come up with that. But one of my coaches, um, James Wedmore always says that the transformation is in the transaction. And Mm -hmm. again, I think that that's true from both standpoints. Like it's true of, of us as coaches, when we are offering a service that we are up leveling 
So we are up leveling ourselves and, and what we offer people and our services when we change the price and, and move it in an upward direction, we're offering more value. And then the people on the other end of the transaction are going to get an even more amazing and significant transformation in their life when they put down the money because they're up leveling too. It's, it's entirely a two way street. Right. And it just goes back. It drives home the point of money is just an exchange of energy. The more you're paying for something more often than not, because I'm sure there are one-off instances and I have a good example that I'll save for a second, but the more you're paying, the more you are going to show up because you're like, Oh my God, like this is worth more energy. And then the more you show up again, whether to a brick and mortar business or to an online, whatever, whatever it is that you're purchasing, you're going to get more back. So again, the energy flows out, but it also flows back in. So like you said, it's a two way street. And I, I like the examples of live events actually too, because whether you are attending a live event, uh, you know, as a coach or as more of a consumer, I mean, we're, we're consumers too, obviously just consumers maybe of, of different types of things potentially. But when I do something like, like attending a live event, there's a lot of money on the table. Like you're looking at the, not only the cost, the financial cost, but it's a cost of your time and your energy too. Like I come home from live events typically fired up, but also drained because I'm also an introvert. So live events tend to like take a lot out of me and just the travel and all that stuff. But it, it's a huge exchange of energy both ways. I'm having my cup filled up while I'm there in so many different ways, assuming that it's a great, that it's a great event, which every event I've, I've been to has always really done that for me. But there's also a huge amount of cost with the travel and the accommodations and the food and I have to tell you when I'm in that room for that event, I am going to be focused and absorbing like, like a sponge, like absorbing every little bit of information soaking it all in everything that I can, because I want to maximize that experience. That's a huge, huge energy exchange. And this is why a lot of people often don't attend live events because it's such an enormous exchange of energy. People, I think inherently recognize that yes, you can get a huge amount back from attending, but a lot of us aren't always able to make either the logistics work um, or make the finances work or the time or, or whatever. And it's a huge commitment. And that's why a lot of times people aren't able to or choose not to attend certain events, which kind of can also lead into the, I can't afford it, which I know that you and I were, were talking about before we jumped on as well. And well, can just as another like add on to what you're saying. Can you imagine if the live event cost $5? Like the energy in the room would be so different than if it wasn't hundreds of dollars to attend the live event. Oh my gosh, exactly. Like I would be, you know, it, and it's funny actually, now that you mentioned that, there are people that I know who pay thousands of dollars to go to events and I'll be at the same event beside them and they're sitting scrolling their cell phones for two full days. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, I know that you didn't pay $5 to be here. I know that you paid a lot more than that. And you're still just wasting your time. Like you, if you aren't going to go and show up, I mean, by all means, if if you want to pay someone thousands of dollars and then not get anything back from it, fine. But it's not really helping anyone. It's not helping you. It's not helping the person who's, who's receiving the money. It's not a benefit to anybody. 
gosh, we could go into a tangent about like, that's just an energetic block on their end. And it could very well be, and this is an assumption, but it could be that the amount of money that they paid was not painful enough for them to pay attention. Mm, yes, absolutely. That could, that could absolutely be a, a serious energy, not even blockage necessarily, but yeah, like they're, they're preventing, it is a blockage in the sense that, that they're preventing themselves from learning and absorbing from that experience. And that's a huge loss in my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I think it's important too. And I, I think this is a great place to interject. This is like what I think might be expensive is completely relative, right? So what I might be like, oh my gosh, this is, this is such an investment for me might be true, but for someone else there, they could be like, whatever, it's, it's not a big deal. I I can afford to be here and not absorb it all because it's not that big of a loss. So there is a lot of relativity in the things that we're saying when we're saying expensive, not expensive, blah, 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 blah. Exactly. Exactly. And I mean, we could also go into a whole tangent on that about privilege too, because, and, and, and you and I, I know are going to be doing a separate episode on privilege. So I won't, I won't pull us aside on this episode, but even just as I'm talking about going to live events, I'm aware that it's an enormous privilege to even attend something like that from a financial standpoint. The fact that I don't have uh, children that I need to find childcare for. Um, like there's, you know, I can afford to buy food while I'm traveling. Like there's all kinds of other things that can come into that. And it is all relative. Like that's, it's going to be a, an entirely different situation and a different perspective for each individual. Yeah. But it does lead in nicely to my next point, which is this idea of, I can't afford it. Mm-hmm. Do you want to start with your thoughts on that? Oh gosh, where where to, where to start? <laughs> it's I I have actually stopped using that phrase mm. in my everyday life. I no longer use the phrase "I can't afford it." And I used to hear some some people talk about this, and I kind of thought it was bullshit. I'm like, you know, it's just words, but words matter. Like, ask anyone who's been bullied on the playground that that bullshit. It sticks and stones can break your bones, but words will never hurt you. That is total lies. <laughs> it is. Total lies. Yeah. And language matters. Language fucking matters. And we have to be very careful because again, it's like a form of energy that we're putting out into the world. And when we are constantly repeating, I can't afford it, whether it's to ourselves or to our partners or to other people in our lives, to the coaches that we, that we would like to hire, but we're telling ourselves that we can't. If you're going to say over and over again, I can't afford it you're right. You probably can't. And you never will. If you keep repeating that to yourself, like we, we could also look at that from, from a different angle in terms of, uh, you know, how many parents will tell kids, well, if, if you say that you can't, then, you know, you never, you never will. Like, like it's a poor attitude. We know inherently that saying I can't with anything attached on the end of that sentence is kind of a poor attitude and that it doesn't usually lead to great results. Because if you just say that you can't, you're cutting yourself off at the knees and you're never allowing yourself to expand beyond that. So when we're saying that we can't afford it, then we aren't leaving the space for that to enter into our lives. And I know that that sounds like woo-woo bullshit, but it, <laughs> it really isn't. We, instead, I'll say something like, um, I think I heard manifestation, babe, uh, Catherine Zanika or or whatever her last name is. It's something along the lines of, uh, she'll, she'll use phrases like it. That's very luxurious. 
mm. or something along those lines where you're basically just making um, a statement that isn't, it, it's, it's not something, it's just a true statement. Like if we're talking about a $150,000 sports car, that's luxurious. Mm. And that's it, right? Like yeah. we aren't attaching so much emotion to it yeah. and right. it's not weighted down by negative, like negative attitudes. Yeah. So the way that I handle, I can't afford it is a little bit more like logistical in turn, like a little less woo woo, although I am woo woo, especially when it comes to money. And that's something that I've had to work really hard to get to, um, in my own personal life. But I, at least for my people, both online and, um, at my gym, it's, it's a cop-out saying I can't afford it is a cop-out. And I think the actual truth of the matter, if we can boil away all of the bullshit, the core of that statement is this is not a priority to me. And I want to make it clear that like, there's no judgment in that. Like you are allowed to have your priorities set up in any way that you want. It's really none of, it's not my business to have a judgment about that. Of course, my, like my priorities are important to me. And I'm sure some people look at my life and go, that's not important. I would never pay for that. But that shift of the responsibility is huge because by you saying, I, I'm not prioritizing this, or this is not important enough for me, takes the responsibility off of the price tag and puts it back on you. And you're the only thing that you can control. And so a story that I want to share, this is very real. Um, there is an individual at my gym. If they're listening to this, I hope they do. And I hope they learn from it. Um, it's this big story about how it's so expensive. It's so expensive. It's so expensive, but this individual never shows up. So post the prices nearly doubling, there was this, you know, this kind of dramatic event in which this individual was like, I, that's too expensive. I can't afford it, but I, you know, I'm going to pay anyways, whatever. And then still never shows up never shows up. So I'm like, mm, if it was really that expensive, your ass would be here to get your money's worth, but it's simply not important enough to you. And I think there's a lot of power to be had in that statement. Again, there's no judgment, but it's true. And I want, if you're listening to this, I want that shift. I want you to feel that shift of, hmm, how does it feel if I say that this, whatever that may be, is not important enough to me? Yeah. That's, that's such a great point. I can really appreciate that too, because you'll also hear people talk about things like, you know, being too busy versus just not making it a priority. Mm. And a lot of times we'll hide behind being busy the same way we'll hide behind something like I can't afford it. And mm. I, I totally get the numbers game that sometimes, yeah, you legit don't have enough money in the bank account. <laughs> I, right. I totally understand that. There are other ways to come at it. You know, we can try and be more resourceful and come up with extra ways to bring in more income or cut, cut a bill out to make room for it or something like that. But all of that leads back to making that a priority. So priorities are really where the shift has to happen and has to be rooted from because otherwise we'll never be able to step out of that no matter which way. Like that particular person, maybe they would be better off spending that money on something else that they feel is a bigger priority in their lives that uh, would make them feel really great and really awesome. Because if I was paying a huge amount of money for a gym and I wasn't using it, that would weigh on me. Like that, that would, 
that would almost like mentally weigh me down. And I feel as though there would be a lot of freedom in then making the choice to perhaps shift that money to, I don't know, taking, taking a, a, a trip that's on your bucket list or something. And that that's, that's a trip you've always wanted to go on. Maybe that would be a, a bigger and better priority that would feel really good to you as opposed to just watching this money go out the door every month and knowing that you aren't prioritizing what, what would come with that money. Well, and I think it feels expensive to this person because it is not a priority. Yes, that's true too. Because the value, when we don't see something as a priority, we're not going to see the value attached to it either. Right. Well, and I want to be clear too, like there are things that come across, you know, it's whatever it is that I might want to do with my money. And it's, it's not to say that my priorities aren't like, again, I'm not judging it to where let's just say there's this awesome business mentorship or trip business trip that I want to go on. If I truly cannot afford it, like if the money is not there, it is still important for me to, to not play the sob story victim card of like, I can't afford it. The priority for me is to pay my bills on time that month. And that's mm-hmm. powerful. It's not, it's not a cop out to say, well, where are my priorities and where am I choosing to put my money otherwise? Because like you said, by no means am I, am I like, oh my God, just be financially irresponsible. Sometimes the priority is to be financially responsible. And that may mean that you're not going to go to that event this month, or you're not going to be a part of that mentorship this year, but maybe next year things will shift. Um, but the other thing that I do want to say too is, and as a coach, this is really vulnerable for me to say I used to, and I'm still working on not taking it personally. When I come across an individual who quits the gym or quits my services because it's quote unquote too expensive, but then they're taking even more money. Let's just say it costs $200 a month to see me at the gym. And they're taking, let's say a $12,000 vacation. I used to be like, oh my God, well, they could have not gone on that vacation and come to see me in my gym. But again, it's just, we put our money where our priorities are in whether that's feeding our dogs, feeding ourselves into our health, into our fitness, into a business investment. And that's important to discern again, that mindset shift of like, I cannot afford this versus this is not important enough to me. Yeah. And there can't be a huge amount of judgment attached to it because again, like everyone is an individual and it's all perspective. And what's, what's a priority to you might not be a priority to me and vice versa there. But it's, it's hard because it is so personal when it's our own services, especially because we were essentially like solopreneurs. So we are personal brands. So when someone says no to our services, it can feel very personal because we aren't just some faceless corporation. Like there's a real person behind everything that, that we do. Like we are behind everything that we do, but it, it, it has to, the conversation around it has to shift and we have to start to view it more for what it is without all of the judgment attached to it because everyone is just going to have different priorities and there's Mm -hmm. nothing wrong with that. Like there's, it's totally fine. It just doesn't feel good initially, like until we start to adjust our perspective, but that, that can be a tough pill to swallow too. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. So something that I used to struggle with and sometimes I still do, but not really, not so much anymore is whenever again, like as a coach and as a business owner, I used to, anytime a program 
would roll out. So like an online program or anytime something was changing at the gym or anytime a new client would come to me, um, how much does your, how much does your, uh, does it cost to be a member at your gym? I used to like die inside because I was so embarrassed that, um, and I want to be clear that my gym is not a regular gym. It is a private training facility. So it's not like you're not going to come in there off the street and just do your own thing. So that's an important, an important discernment, but I used to die inside because I was embarrassed that it was pretty expensive, especially if you compare it to other quote unquote gyms or like private training facilities in the area. And I used to feel so guilty with this thought of like, I am taking so much money, but there was a huge mindset shift for me as the business owner, as the head coach, as the facilitator of every single thing that both of my businesses online and in-person do, where I was like, wait, I am giving a shit ton. I am, yes, they're giving me money, but the value and what they get in return for that money is invaluable. So that was a huge shift for me. So again, from the coach's perspective, having the shift of I'm taking so much shifting that to, I am giving so much and it is damn good shit. Like I'm giving damn good stuff. No, that's so true. And, and the other side of that too, is that from a consumer standpoint, we have to have a shift in terms of I'm, I'm giving so much money to this person and shift it to, I am receiving so much from this person in return, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm handing over X amount of money, but look how much I'm getting back for that. I mean, we can circle that back with like the transformation is in the transaction to some degree too, because when we're handing over this money, we're receiving a service and that is going to provide us with immense value that is just going to continue to give and give and give if we take full advantage of it. If, if we learn particular skills, this is why a lot of courses, um, Kind of in the online business space, it's sort of a little bit more well known that any any course that teaches people how to make money is automatically going to be more money. So mm-hmm. you can you can just charge more as a coach if you are offering some type of service that somebody can end up making money with, as opposed to something like uh, you know like a more health maybe related course uh, like nutrition or or strength training or anything like that, and. To some degree, I, I can really understand that because you are receiving in some ways, you know, from some perspectives, not all perspective, obviously, but you're receiving certain skills that are allowing you to make more money. So why wouldn't it cost more? Right? right. Whereas right. when, I mean, obviously it's, it's a massive shift when we're changing our health too, but it's just a different way of looking at it. And I think that that really highlights how that, that shift in terms of thinking about money and the exchange of money as giving versus receiving. Like when we're forking over our money for something, even if you just, I don't know, walk into Ikea and you're handing over money for something, you're receiving something in return. So mm-hmm. rather focusing on what, than focusing on what you're losing, think about what you're gaining. Yeah. And I think what you just hit the nail on the head and I don't even think you meant to. Um, I think that's what's so hard about selling the things that I sell because there is work required Mm -hmm. from the client's perspective. They are not leaving the Apple store with a $1,000 brand new phone in their hand, but people will line up for hours with $1,000 for in exchange for a fucking iPhone. And I'm over here like, 
moving your body with intention. And again, this is my perspective, but I I'll take this to my grave because I truly, I've experienced it. I facilitate it, whatever, whatever, until I'm blue in the face, but it's not tangible. The exchange of energy is not tangible and it comes with a lot of fucking work, but the same with business owners and coaches. When you sign up with a business mentor or anything business related, the service that you're receiving is also setting you up to do the work. So I think that turns a lot of people off. They want to just swipe their credit card and boom, magic wand, their wildest dreams have come true. And so it's this idea of this delayed gratification and also the confidence within yourself as the consumer and as the client that you are going to put in the work and you're going to succeed. Absolutely. Absolutely. And this is the thing, right? Is that so many people will approach us as when, when we're um, sort of, when we have our health coaching hats on in one, one facet or another, looking for basically that magic pill. You know, this is why people end up searching for things like diets and meal plans and all of those things that you and I don't subscribe to (laughs) because that seems like a quicker win. That seems more tangible. And we, then, then people are receiving this, this thing that is going to be their magic pill. Like, Oh, if I just do this, this is the answer. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot harder to sell something when we can't offer necessarily that tangible results. Like, like what is confidence? Right. Right. How do we, how do we fucking define confidence? Well, it's going to look different for everyone. And then we've got the different perspectives to consider. And, and it's a lot tougher to sell people on that. We know how amazing that can be once you've achieved it, but educating people about what it is that they're missing in their lives sometimes can also really be the big key portion there that can be the hardest part because we know what we're offering is amazing. We know that this could be an absolutely transformational, game-changing, life-altering experience for somebody, but we have to be able to translate that in a language that the person on the other end understands. And, and I mean like true value. Like I'm not talking like some skeezy, you know, like, yeah. oh, you should buy this from me because blah, blah, blah. It, yeah. if, if people are going to put in the work and they have to put in the work to achieve those kinds of results, we, we want that for you as much as you want it from us. It's again, like all of this is such an exchange. It's such a two-way street. It's such an exchange of energy and money and time and resources and all of these things, but both parties have to be showing up at the table. Totally. And you know, something that's interesting for me to, to think about, this was not that long ago. Um, my businesses, I don't even think I was in the, the, the warehouse yet for my gym. Iron Phoenix was not even a, an entity at the time. Um, I don't even think I necessarily knew you either, Emily. Um, and I, I don't think I had a podcast. So it was like before a lot of these big transformations happened in my life as a individual and as a business owner, I was like personally offended anytime someone was selling something that I quote unquote, again, could not afford. Um, And I had this kind of like snooty attitude of like, who the fuck does she think she is selling that? You know, and it was offensive to me. And really looking back, all that was, was my insecurity coming up because I doubted myself and I doubted my ability to ever really make it pay off. Yes. And I think that that's, that's a really key point that you've hit on there that 
a lot of times it's our own insecurities being reflected back to us. Mm -hmm. And, and sometimes, you know, like we, I, I know that there have been times even six, six, 12 months ago where you and I would have conversations about other coaches sometimes in the online space who were like obviously much farther ahead than, than we were. I mean, typically, and almost be like a, who does she think she is? Like, how can she offer this type of conversations? And then we, but we, the difference was that we would then catch ourselves and we're like, okay, but wait, like <laughs> this. And, and I think that catching ourselves and then being able to see what was really coming up, that just that having that awareness can really shift how, how we look at how we have these types of conversations and how we view others in whatever space it is that, that you're in, whether it's somebody that you're looking up to or a peer or a colleague or whomever, that we can really change that conversation in our own head. Well, and it's interesting too, because I'm thinking about um, another mutual uh, friend of ours. I'm not going to say her name, but um, when we all started our online businesses, we were so afraid of charging like anything over like $47. You're <laughs> <We were> so scared. <laughs> and recently, a couple of weeks ago, uh, this woman who I adore sends me a Facebook message like, Hey, this is what I'm doing. This is my new program. This is what I'm offering. And this is what I'm charging. And I was like, I'm giving you to the end of the day to like triple, if not quadruple what you're charging and don't speak to me until you've done it. Like I was I believe in her and her program and her messaging and her ability as a coach to transform women's lives. I was like, I'm sorry, what are you're charging 50 bucks for 12 weeks of magic? Hell no. Like you are worth so much more than that. But again, like her clients are worth more than that too. If you're charging $47 for a 12 week program, you're not going to level up to that. And there can be one-off cases. And I'm sure there are people listening that are similar to me where like, if I sign up for something, even if it's free, like I'm self-perpetuated, but by and large, people are going to show up a lot differently when, again, there's this pain of payment and this larger exchange of energy. But me a couple of years ago would have been like, yep, $47 sounds great for a 12 week program. Like, because we were all afraid of charging in such a way that it forced our clients to show up and receive transformations. But part of that too is getting to the point where we realize that the work that we do is life-changing. Yeah. And there's a certain amount of trust there too. Like both trust in the person that we're purchasing from and trust in ourselves that we will be able to accomplish the result that we want. Because we can sign up for all the programs in the world, but if we don't trust ourselves to actually put in the work, not only are none of those programs ever work or not, they're never going to work, but we're also going to have a lot harder time putting down the money to pay for them because deep down we're like, well, who, who do I think I am? Like, there's no way I'm actually going to be able to accomplish this. Mm -hmm. So we have to bring that trust factor into it as well and, and take responsibility for the decisions that we're making on either end of the transaction. Yeah. Yeah, I really cannot say enough about the the people who come to my gym since again since the price has doubled of they are they are completely different people now than they were before when the prices were cheaper. Like it literally just forces them to level up and they I think that without, maybe this isn't a conscious thought, I think they're like, yeah, I'm doing this. Like I am a member of Iron Phoenix Strength Club. I am showing up. I am getting strong. 
like, or I am investing in this strength journey. And so again, it perpetuates that thought of trust and showing up. And like, I'm also too, this validation of like, I'm worth this. This is worth it to me. Exactly. Exactly. And that's a huge proclamation to yourself and a huge step into and towards your own level of confidence too, that you, you're putting the trust in yourself. You're taking that on. You are believing in yourself enough to do something hard and that is going to build confidence. Totally, totally, totally. And yes, you and I are both consumers and coaches. And I think, and I've, we've probably said this several times in, in various ways throughout this episode alone. Once I started investing in myself is when my entire life started to transform because it kept reinforcing the belief that I was worth it. And for me, that was a large part of my confidence where you like, take this little leap of faith. And whether that's, again, with your money or um, opening a business or hiring a coach or whatever it is, it can even be as simple as, gosh, I don't know, buying a new outfit, you know, or even buying a new purse or something that just makes you feel the way that you want to feel. You reinforce the belief that you're worth it. And then again, too, at least from a, from a business owner perspective, I was like, okay, just take another baby step, you know, start a podcast, which is an investment, by the way, open a gym, which is an investment, by the way. And I just kept taking these, at first they were baby steps and then they turned into gargantuan steps of me waking up one day in October in 2016 and literally thinking, I'm going to open a gym. And then I did, but now the confidence is there, right? Because I kept investing in myself and it kept paying off. And I was like, holy shit, I'm worth this like investing thing. And I learned to trust myself. I learned to see worth in myself. And I want to be clear that we can invest in ourselves, um, not just monetarily, but the time and the energy perspective of investing in ourselves is just as paramount. And it is hand in hand with the financial investment too. Absolutely. Yeah, it goes, it goes so closely together. And I, I hope that this has given people a little bit of, if not clarity, then at, at least some insight into both sides of the transaction and wrapping our heads around making some adjustments that can just be so incredibly beneficial to stepping into like the bigger, better, more, more confident version of yourself, no matter what end of the spectrum you are currently on and whatever that looks like for you. Like any type of small adjustment that will get you closer to feeling better about that and to recognizing the value in the things that you're, you're putting money down for, or if you're coming at it from the coaching angle, um, the value in what you're offering people and up leveling what you're offering people as well. You know, like under what's, what is it? I, I always mix these up. Is it under, undersell, over deliver? I guess that's usually what I, yeah. (laughs) Under promise, over deliver. Yeah. Under promise, over deliver. Yeah. That's always what I strive for with everything that I, that I do is I always try to, to aim for that because I always want to, to give people all kinds of value, but the, the money plays a big role. Like the money plays a big role and it is, uh, tied to our worth, I think more than, more than it potentially should be, but in, in sort of like the wrong ways sometimes. Like we, we tie money a little bit too closely to our worth and it, it is tied to it, but in a different way than we often think that it is. So yeah, totally. it's, 
it's a total, it, it, it's, this is an interesting conversation. We, I feel like we'll end up doing like a part two at some point <laughs> as we pick yeah. up perspective along the way. <laughs> yeah. And I think for me, a, a good note that I want to end on is, you know, for a long time, I, I was like, why can't I just do everything for free? Why can't I just run my gym for free? And we talked again about that, that like free is ultimately a disservice in the long run, but I'm so obsessed with the, with the women that I work with, like, again, both online and in my gym that I have to, and I also need to afford a roof over my head and food on my table, right? Like this is my, this is my career. And I think a lot of people forget that. And if I'm making money in my career, I am allowed to continue to do this for the rest of my life. And I'm so, I'm so passionate. And Emily, you know, this, I'm like insanely obsessed and passionate about what I know and how much education I have. And I'm obsessed with implementing that with and for other people. And so I never want to have to stop doing this. I never want to have to close either of my businesses down um, because I love the work that I do and I love the transformations that I produce. And so um, that's why this conversation for me is personally very, very important because I love what I do as most good coaches do. And so there has to be that exchange of energy. And so in exchange for being able to keep a roof over my head and feed myself, I get to change people's lives. And like, who could not be excited about that? Exactly. And just that, that level of, of impact, like being able to afford to continue to have an impact. That's Mm. huge. That's so huge to me. So yeah, it's, it's unbelievable the difference that it can make. And I just appreciate you. And yeah, this was, this is so much fun. I can't wait for this our next was, one. <laughs> I know this was so much fun. Thanks for having me. Thank you for having me. <laughs> of course. All right. Until next time. See ya. Thanks so much for listening to the Room to Grow podcast today. All show notes and references can be found over at roomtogrowpodcast.com. And can you do me one huge favor before you go though? If you can take a, take a screenshot of this episode and tag me on social media, I would absolutely love to see who's listening and get to connect with you and thank you. And if you could leave a review on iTunes, that would go a long way and make such a huge difference. It really helps to get the word out there, get more amazing guests on the show and helps to get all of this information out to the world. Looking forward to growing with you.